The Upland Nomads are brought to you by Kuga Vest, a vest that provides serious protection for your dog. Fit and Fetch Outdoors, a CBD dog chew that is made to improve performance and decrease any unwanted stress on your dog's body. We are also brought to you by Mossy Oak Sport Dog, a line of products meant to keep your canine clean and clean smelling. Welcome to the Upland Nomads Podcast. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Upland Nomads Podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and I'm joined here as always with Wyatt. Hey, everybody. So today we got a very special episode for everybody. So it's our first time doing a Q&A episode. So I don't know any of the questions, right? Wyatt has them all from our Instagram. And basically, that's all we're going to be doing today is answering some questions for you guys and chit-chatting a little bit. That's it. All these questions are asked by all our followers on Instagram. So we're just going to go through the questions the best we can and see if we can help you guys out and answer some of your guys' questions for us. When are you guys going to hunt with a boykin? We're not going to name names on this podcast, but you can pretty much guess who this probably is. So whenever he invites us. I'd probably say the same. I mean, I got a spaniel, but it's no boykin spaniel. I'd probably say, you know, shoot us an invite, and I'm sure we'll have a plan eventually pretty soon if you shoot us an invite to come hunt with a boykin then. All right, next question. Favorite gauge and shot size for rough grouse? Can't really answer this one because we don't really rough grouse hunt. So we can answer the best we can with our knowledge of sharp tail hunting, because that's about the closest grouse we hunt to a rough grouse. That's right. And, and I imagine probably your shot size is probably going to be about the same. I would imagine. I use seven by 20 gauge, and I use seven and a half shot pretty much all season. And I'd say for me that my favorite gauge to use, which is a very recent development for any upland game bird that I've found, is my 28 gauge that I bought. So I really enjoy using that 28 gauge. And when I hunt sharp tail, which again, a little different than rough grouse, but I use seven and a half shot as well. But if you're talking about trying to give me the best chance to try to hit a bird, I need to put out as many pellets as possible. So, or BBs as possible. So I'd probably say that, uh, you know, a 12 gauge, three inch loaded seven and a half shot, probably my best chance of actually shooting a bird. But other than that, my favorite one to use is my 28 gauge. Uh, you gotta figure you gotta shoot with trees in your face too. Yeah, shoot, that's true. <laughs> well, we hope we answered that question as best we can. Sorry, we don't have the knowledge on rough grouse. If anybody wants to message us after this episode and tell us what they have, we can reach out to the person and ask us a question to give them some more info. So, on our next question: favorite North Dakota upland bird. Michael, I'll let you go first with that one. I would say that my favorite upland bird in North Dakota to hunt. Mm, that's a tough one. Kind of a really close tie. Um, I would probably say... I'm not going to go the basic ringneck pheasant, you know, area. Second, but I'd say my favorite to probably hunt is the Hungarian partridge hunts. I don't know. I love hunting hunts. It's just something different. You get that cover rise, 
They come up all at once. They're pretty small and they fly pretty fast. Oh, it's just exciting. It's gonna love the shit out of you every time they get up. That is right. They do. I think that's part of the fun. Kind of stole mine, but that's uh, right. We can have the same answer. We can. I do like sharp tails or like a close second. There's nothing. I do like chasing roosters just because I can. But yeah, I probably have to say Hans as well. There's something about them. They're fun to shoot. They're fast. They give you a challenge. And they're a very pretty bird. Yeah. And they, and I say, once they scare the shit out of you, then you got to try to shoot them. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> even when I know, I had one time this fall where I saw them. Riggs was on point. Like, I saw them moving. And I went up to flush them, and I still jumped. And I got a. We happen to be like 20 of them. But uh, same, like, similar oh. story happened to me too with Willow. She basically chased them out of the cattails to the edge. And I saw them at the edge. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there's like five, six of them. And when they jumped up, it was like 15, 20. Scared the living daylights out of me. Because I'm like, why did you come from there? And well, we all know probably how that ended. I'll just leave that for your imaginations. There was just no birds on the ground. But <laughs> it happens sometimes. All right, this one for us Midwest folk here. Nefla or Lefsa? Lefsa, no doubt. So it's really tough. It's a uh, fresh Lefsa. Hot and just fresh, hot, nice and warm. It's really good. But I'm going to have to go to my German roots here and say Nefla. You know, we can agree to disagree here, but there's nothing better than eating like. 10, 12, 15 <laughs> rolls of left set once. Once you have one, you just can't stop. I say, I wonder how many people don't know about left set. They're going to be like, what? what is left set? Well, if you're looking, a, if you want to know what left set is, go ahead. Potato you're crepe. It. There potato you go. Basically, crepe. potato crepe with butter and sugar. Yep. All right. So if you ever want anything that's delicious and a little sweet treat, make yourself some left set. Look up a recipe online. Mm hmm. You can get it at Epcot. I found that out. You can get it at Epcot? Yep. There you go. <laughs> when you go to Norway. <laughs> so if you're ever at Epcot, you get Lefsa there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how it is. But <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Since we're on the topic of food, somebody asked us, the best dipping sauce for chicken nuggets. So, if you would have asked me about a month ago, I would have probably said barbecue sauce. <laughs> and then I went to Walmart. I know, pretty basic, right? And then I went to Walmart and I bought one of those tubs of Chick-fil-A sauce, like the Chick-fil-A Chick-fil-A sauce. And oh my Lanta, I tell you what, my taste buds were dancing. I'd have to say Chick-fil-A sauce all the way. Best dipping sauce for chicken nuggets. The B-dubs grab the B-dubs bottles are good too. But yeah, I'd have to say just straight chicken nuggies, Chick-fil-A sauce, or the Polynesian sauce from Chick-fil-A is also really good. So let's go Chick-fil-A. They got the sauce. I mean, the Chick-fil-A sauce too, man. It's good on everything. Nachos. It's good on nachos. Tell you what, replace the queso with Chick-fil-A. Um, I don't have to agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> you got to try it first. Don't knock it until you try it. I'm going to knock it. <laughs> Yeah, scariest moment in the field. 
I'm going to have to say, fuck that wood, I really haven't had one. Probably when I first got my dog, Riggs cut his foot on the glass bottle. Um, also, running through barbed wire fence, but nothing where he was like, that was too scary. So, just uh, now I've gotten used to patching the dog up a little bit, so it's not so bad. And I got my med kit from Gun Dog Supplies, so I can patch the dog up in the field. Now, mine's very similar to that, but not as bad. Because luckily, I haven't had that many scary moments either, knock on wood. But I'd say the scariest moment that happened to me in the field was it was the first season I hunted with Willow. So she was still pretty young. And I I would like to say yet to understand how small she was and that she could just slip underneath barbed wire fences. And she ran underneath it at one point and then was running back to me at one at like on her way back. And I don't know if she just didn't see it or just didn't care. And she basically just jumped right into the fence. And she yelped a little bit, but I went and I checked her out and she wasn't cut at all. But I'd say at that moment when I saw her jump into the fence, that was probably the scariest moment that happened to me when I was out in the field. Yeah, we've been lucky so far. Yep. Next question. When are you hunting with an Irish setter? Kind of like hunting with the boykin. When are you going to send us an invite? Or <laughs> when do you want to come home with us? We can go. We're new. always accepting a newcomers. Not newcomers, but new hunting friends. Hunting companions, right? Yeah. So whenever you want to meet up, that's what we're hunting with an Irish setter. Because I, I probably don't see myself getting one in the future. I could see myself getting a setter. I just don't know if I get an Irish setter. Yeah. Maybe like a Llewellyn. Maybe. Maybe I change my mind. I don't know. Maybe. We have to come. We have to get an invite to come hunt. Mm hmm. See those dogs. Or you, come, or you can come <laughs> hunt with us. Yep. This is a, next one's a good question. Tips to keep dogs warm in the frozen tundra. We'll have to. Don't well, I have, cut their fur. Well, I can't even cut my dog's fur. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It depends. Like, Obviously, it gets really cold. Negative 40, negative 50. Obviously, we're not hunting in that because it's a danger to ourselves and our dogs. But even when it's down like close to zero, I try not to hunt if it's like in the negative, like too far in the negatives, because for a lot, it's just not good for the dogs or good for myself if something were to happen safety wise. The um, truck setup, I run insulated kennel covers. <clears throat> the boys have, it's, oh, it's always seen warmer in there than it is outside so and they're in the back of my pickup and I have a topper so like they're out of the wind as well the boys don't wear boots because they never stay on and sometimes they run a vest sometimes not sometimes it's counterproductive to wear a vest when there's a bunch of snow on the ground because that snow get trapped can get trapped underneath and then it's just like creating ice 
or snowballs on the dog's fur or skin. So that's just the dog's got it all trapped there. So I think sometimes the vest is good and sometimes not. So I think especially when you're fresh snow vest, it all falls down because they're going in cattails or, or CRP grass and it's just falling right into their vest. Yeah, I'd say for me, the easiest way I keep Willow warm while hunting is I just keep her in the cabin to pick up with me when it's just me. But uh, other than that, when we're out in the field, as the weather gets colder and uh, we take her to her grooming appointments or whatever, we I don't cut her fur as short and I kind of let it get a little longer. So she gets a little fluffy and curly, but that kind of helps keep her warm when we're outside hunting. And then for if she isn't in the cabin I pick up or she's like staying in there overnight in her kennel, I have an insulated kennel cover as well. I got the Shields Outfitter one and it fits perfectly on my intermediate ruffling kennel. Like it's a super tight fit, which is good. And that keeps her pretty warm too. And I always keep a, like a thicker blanket out of her kennel and keep it dry. So like when she's hunting, she doesn't get it all wet throughout the day. And then I throw that in there with her at night too. So she almost has like a warm, thick bedding to lay on. And that seems to keep her pretty warm. If you open it up to take her out in the morning for the bathroom or something and stick your hand in there and it's, it's toasty in there, not too warm, but it's warm enough. Also, another thing, keep fresh towels. Mm-hmm. Keep some like crappy towels, clean crappy towels in the back of the truck. That way you can wipe the dogs off at the end of the day or end of a walk or whatever before they get put back in so they're not going in wet to the kennel full of snow or something or wet from it being rainy or something and then going in and then they're bedding getting wet and they're just sitting in a wet kennel as well so that's counterproductive that won't keep them warm no not really it's always tough to judge when to go hunting when it's super cold but even the short hairs i've hunted with that's man the negatives as long as they keep moving they don't seem to mind it but as soon as we're done hunting they want in their kennels or they want in the truck so yeah i usually listen to willow sometimes where when i take her out in the morning to go to the bathroom before we head out if she starts walking funny on her paws or lifting one up that usually means it's probably too cold outside and then i just won't go because then she'd just be miserable the whole time i still think if i took my dogs out negative 40 they would be like all right let's go (laughs) across the field we go (laughs) next question advice for out-of-staters coming to north dakota yeah go south there ain't no birds here No, there's no birds. Yeah, might as well just not even put North Dakota on your list. Yeah. No. You better you better go to like northwest Iowa or something like that. <laughs> yeah. No, I would say advice for an out of state hunter coming to North Dakota. E scouting. Do your research on areas you want to go. Like if you have a plan to go to uh that southwestern part of North Dakota, do some e scouting ahead of time so you can <coughs> mark places that you know you're gonna be in that area. So you can go ahead and check them out. They might not be the best spots, but at least you know, you at least know of spots that you can go and check out. And if you're yeah. in the southwest part of the state and you find public land that you mark, there's more than likely going to be birds on there. That's one nice thing with Onyx is you can just sit there and look at places. I think that's what I do when I'm going to a new place is I just sit there and come over 
the 2D and the 3D views and look for, okay, well, this place got for Sharpies that have some, like, rolling hills. And is there, like, or pheasants, is there, I say, a creek bottom? Is there a tree line on the property? Like, okay, we'll mark that one. Check that out. So, Yeah, I'd say more times than not, to some of the spots that you mark, at least myself. You mark it and you get there and you're like, ah, oh, this doesn't look as good as it did on Onyx or, I don't right. know, like when it was that drought, it was haze. So or like, oh yeah, this is no good. Yeah. And you just delete it and go on to the next spot. Yeah. Yeah, spot one year that might be good and probably might not be the next, great the next. So mm-hmm. always nice to have a bunch of pins in your Onyx. Yeah. Next tip for and, the Elder State Hunter too would be once you get those pins, put your boots on the ground. Check out the spots. If it looks promising, get out and walk. Yeah. Let your dogs yeah, out. Looks, yeah, that's really the best scouting you can do. Is, mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can process and eliminate, but you're not going to find birds sitting from the truck most of the time. Yeah, that's the only time they call sharpies boot leather birds for a reason. So. Yeah, no, yeah, well, I mean, you can pick basically almost anywhere in the state you want to stay and try to find birds. Like, obviously, there's a big regions where if you go on to Google and search up best pheasant hunting spots in North Dakota, there's a list of, like, the 10 or 5 best cities or something to hunt pheasants in the state of North Dakota if you're looking at just pheasants and stuff like that. And, honestly, you pick and, like I said, e-scout, and you're more than likely to find spots. And you don't even need to look at private land. You can just look at public the whole time. Mm-hmm. Current trip plans... And bucket list hunts. Well, I think I got Montana. It's probably like our only for sure trip plan as of right now. Yep. Montana. Um, we look, we're fortunate enough. We live in one of the best bear hunting states in Midwest. So yeah, and we've talked about trying to make another trip up to that uh, northwest corner of the state of North Dakota. Yeah, not much of a big trip. We're staying in the state, but. I enjoy going out west. It's like later October, the Sharpies are, or it seems once it seems to get colder, they start to group up and they, they're a little more skittish and they're not as nice to, they, they get up in front of you like a hundred some yards away. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Try to go pheasants and huns at that time, like October, middle October to November, December. But I, we're going to, uh, South, well, South Dakota is probably already on the list for next year, too. Oh, it's got to be. I already got five days of hunt there. Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't, but we had a good time there before, like this well in January with my cousins and that. So they talked about wanting to go there. One is closer to home for them. Two, they have another five days there as well. So I think that one's going to have to be on our list there. I really want to cross off quail. Quail, that's probably my biggest one for this year. And sage grouse, probably. I'd say if we're talking about a uh, a short-term bucket list, like I know realistically could probably happen this year, um, like a smart goal, I would say that it's sage grouse. I'd want to shoot a sage grouse in, knowing that we could just drive into Montana. But could if go we're going long... Too, though. What? Could go to Wyoming, too. Yes, we could go to Wyoming, too. Um, But I'd say for like long-term bucket list bird that i still want to shoot it'll be on my bucket list until i do would be i'd want to go to hell's canyon in idaho and shoot chucker that's kind of like my bucket list hunt 
Yeah, I think Hell's Canyon probably be my bucket list hunt too. It's just a twenty-six hour drive, so yeah, split it up in two days. Make a pit stop somewhere. Make a pit stop in you know Wyoming. Go that route and shoot some sage grouse, and then go there. And go there when it's go there when it's cold. Yeah. What do your off-season training plans look like? Once it clears up here, if it clears up here in time, the snow melts. Probably around the well, I guess it doesn't matter. Probably run my dogs on private land. Once the snow gets off, I'll keep them off during nesting season and just do probably more pigeon work. Gonna get into pigeon trapping here, so I have don't have to buy my pigeons. There you go. I would say for me, my training uh consists of kind of the same running willow, making sure she stays in shape. Now granted there's only a certain short period of time you can run them on like wildlife management areas and stuff. So it'd just be whether I just go out for a bike ride somewhere and take her running with me or something, try to keep her in shape. And then I'd say that the biggest thing that we need to work on together is the whole idea of retrieving the bird and then bringing it to me. That's the next thing. No, I'm not just saying like in general, but I talk about bigger birds like pheasants. Like she's a small dog. Pheasants are about her size, but, thinking maybe we can work on that a little more and maybe get it so she's not wouldn't be so timid and scared to pick up a rooster and bring it to me. I think that's what I'm going to work on. And obviously more pigeon work. Because if you're going to be trapping pigeons, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of want to see Willow pick up a, like a live running rooster one of these days. That'd be a sight awesome. to see. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> we have this little dog with this rooster that's got, still got his head up looking around like... <laughs> I think I'd probably just start running with her. <laughs> <laughs> it probably could. Nice one's pointed at me. Training two dogs at a time. It's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, honestly, I kind of just threw catch to the wolves and just let them be a puppy this year. So now we're kind of working on working on some stuff in this winter, doing our wall training, working our steadiness place training, kennel training. Other than that, yeah, he just, I don't know, he had a lot of, like, as far as bird contacts, he, I mean, he hunted since he was four months old, so in Montana. And when we had our limit, we just, when there was a bunch of pheasants on the side of the road and they go to the dishes, we just let him out of the pickup and let him go and chase birds until he figured it out that, oh, hey, I'll stop. But, like, I still got to get Riggs his work, so, like, the pigeon work is nice because I just take one at a time and we'll work it like we work any other bird that we chase, and he still gets to go through his motions and that, and but we still work on his steadiness, too. And I say, I take, I take him, I have a park, a huge park across from my house, and we'll take him, and they both are very, both very, they love to retrieve. So it's easy to work on steadiness training with throwing like a pheasant dummy out there. So that's my biggest thing is throw a dummy out. Actually, I'll, I'll wool them. Then go walk out, say, 100 yards, throw it, lock bag. Okay. Then they can go retrieve it. So that you're doing, like, scent drags. It's kind of nice to work sometimes. I think just running them on their own separate runs, too, and letting them figure stuff out, finding birds. Especially when you have access to private land that you can do that. I think it's beneficial. 
I say I'm no expert trainer, so I say I'm still learning as much as everybody else. So I'm just YouTube certified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much what I've done. Was taking it's tough to do it. Like I'll run them. There's times where I ran them both at the same time, but a lot easier to uh, focus just on one dog at a time if you can. And so not that running them both isn't fun, but all of a sudden you have a dog that's over here and then you have another dog that's a few hundred yards away in the opposite direction. And you're like, well, I don't know where to go. So <laughs> I hope I can answer your question as best I can, but yeah, I'm just no expert trainer. And those are just what I do. I try to not have them together because then the attention span is just not there, I would say. And so I just work individually with the one dog at a time. But like in the house, before they can eat, they get they both have to be well before the food is down and released. That is kind of the same. Cash still working on it. He just wants but to eat. <laughs> he's better at it than the older dogs, surprisingly. But I didn't make Riggs do it until like now. So <laughs> since we got cash. Cash still try to eat as fast as humanly possible so he can eat some of Riggs' food? No. Honestly they probably eat about the same as now. Um, he still he probably still finishes it before Riggs, and he'll sit there and stand right next to him while Riggs growls at him. <laughs> but Cash lays down when he eats, like puts his head in his bowl and just eats all. <laughs> oh, living the life! Yeah, he lays down on on the floor and goes to town. <laughs> Goal for next year that wasn't met this year. Honestly, as far as goals, I think I can't uh, say I didn't complete a goal I didn't have, which is stellar because it always, doesn't always work out that way. So I exceeded my goals by a lot. Compared to the goals I made at the end of last season to this season, obviously there was a big change in my life when I had my son. So it kind of threw that out of the wind. So I don't want to say I didn't like meet any goals, obviously. Uh, when you have a child, it kind of, you know, takes priority over certain things, which is, it's awesome. But I would say that a goal that I kind of set the year before that I want to try to reach this year was because I went from hunting almost like a weekend little thing when I could, as I wanted to hit 30 days in a hunting season, which I know doesn't sound like much, but I know I didn't hit that this year. So hopefully next year is kind of a better thing if I can hit those 30 days of hunting. And I'm talking like 30 full days. Because I know I can go out for like a morning or a half a day. But I want to talk 30 full days of hunting would be a goal that I'd kind of reset for myself next year. I think I did like 60 days of hunting this year. Which is a lot to some people and not a lot to others. Yeah. But being... A young kid that can only go and go out on the weekends or mm-hmm. after work, if work allows that, I'd say that's pretty good. Yeah. But I also hunted longer this year because I added a few trips to South Dakota. I would say even with our trips, I wasn't like too far away from that 30 days. I wish I kept a log. I don't 100% know. I just went back and was like, okay, I think I hunted this day. I know I hunted these days. There's another goal for myself. I should get a log, one of those hunting logs, and 
log every day I go out. So I do keep a log of how many birds I've taken a year. But I want to put all numbers. So that's that one's just more of a personal personal goal for myself and my dogs. Maybe next year I'll make a goal for to keep track of birds pointed. That's a good one. I should make a goal of roosters retrieved by Willow. First one. I'll have to get her a cake or something. <laughs> She's retrieved Sharpies and Huns, but she gets to the roosters and I think she's just like, these things are way too big and just sits next to them. <laughs> well, she sits next to them. Yeah, at least she finds them and sits next to them, but yeah. Then you gotta try to find her because she's hidden in the cattails. What is one thing you can do better at the upcoming season? Shooting. <laughs> Go shoot trap a lot this summer so I can get better. <laughs> I don't know, probably just dog work. If my dogs are solo, then shooting should be easy. True. Because I'm the one that's I'm either getting really close to flushing the bird myself, or I am flushing the bird myself. I'd say Willow's yeah, Willow flushes them up for me. So I'd say her ain't too bad. She works hard till she gets tired with those little legs, which is all I can ask for. For me, I think I gotta get better at shooting, so it's not so much ah, no bird, and she looks back at me like, What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd just say probably training. And maybe probably just understanding when like enough is enough. Like on the bird dogs. I know sometimes it get overlooked the heat sometimes and keep pushing forward. I would say also another thing I'd want to get better at next year is like what well, kind of like it's a whole year long thing. Would it be like legitimately researching up and reading on the birds themselves almost like trying to understand them more you kind of get what i'm saying mm-hmm. more about their habitats more about what they eat no obviously you don't hear it's like oh they eat corn type thing but yeah just kind of understand them better mm-hmm. that's something maybe understand their habitat better yeah look over there and you see a certain type of grass or whatever and you're like oh it looks like that could be a good spot because in this book i read they talked about this or whatever you know yeah identifying like sharpie habitat gotten good at plus you're just being able to identify okay there's bushes over there that sharpies are usually in yeah and maybe we can pass that knowledge on to some other people that want to uh try their hand at sharpies or huns huns so they're just one of those birds that they're like you can find them when you're hunting pheasants. You can find them when you're, when you're hunting sharptails. You can find them in the, where you're hunting ducks sometimes. Right along a pond. Yeah. They're a little, they're a little everywhere. All right, next question. We're getting down there on the questions now. We have a couple left. Our bucket list bird. About to be back off my bucket list hunt. Probably be a wild chucker because... Eric Forrester makes them look really sweet to hunt. I probably wouldn't think they're really sweet. After I'd be gas trying to get to my dog on point across the canyon or something like that, I'd be like, uh, why am I doing this to myself? I'm definitely piggybacking off you there because the same reason why Wild Chucker would be my bird of choice. Now, a very, very close second and a very challenging hunt that would involve zero dog work probably. Uh, is a Himalayan snowcock. I don't know. 
I think just the challenge of that one. What? I think you just like saying the name. Well, the name is, it's a good name. But I think the challenge of going after one of those would be worth it if you even shot one. Or even (laughs) saw one. Right. That's like a, if Michael gets his butt in shape type of bucket list, though. (laughs) That or for me, probably, I really want to shoot a quail. Bob White will start off, and then that'll probably start my addiction for quail or something. And I'll end up in Arizona for a month of February. <laughs> I know I yeah. saved up all my personal days. You gotta take the month off. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is last question, I believe. Most memorable retrieve. I'll let you go first, Michael. I would say that my most memorable retrieve that I've had. Would probably be, I'm going between two here. Um, Do yourself or Will? Will. <laughs> well, I have a memorable retrieve myself too when I dove on the bird and dropped my shotgun. But for Will, <laughs> what? 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 I, you, that was told that story on a previous podcast when I was hunting with my brother in law. Shot the bird and I saw it start running, so I dropped my shotgun and started running after him. Oh, yeah. Ran into the cattails, found it, dove on it. With Will, I'd say the most memorable one. We were hunting Sharpies. We are hunting just in that little kind of bush row. And I shot one, and it fell, and I could see where it fell, and it wasn't too far away. And Will saw it fall and was running right at it. I'm like, dead bird, you know? And it's just memorable because it's it was so, it was her first time ever doing it, I want to say, like, on her own, I should say, where I didn't have to point it out. She goes and Instead of sitting there and sniffing the bird, she just grabs it up right away and starts running around with it. And I'm like, hey, come here, come here. And then she came to me and dropped it right at my feet. I say that's probably my most memorable. I have two dogs now, so <laughs> we're going to talk about Cash's most memorable retrieve. Uh, the pigeon in the well, cage. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to forget about all Cash's retrieves right now because <laughs> he likes to retrieve them. He knew to bring them back to you, but he doesn't like to give them up right now. So, actually, he did get a little better. I had him out in October with Sal's family. And I was taking him and Riggs, like, separate. So, I did the long walk with Riggs. And we did really well. And I gave Cash the ropes and let him go. <laughs> Somebody shot a rooster. And it went down. Cash came up with it. And he would not give up the bird. <laughs> Just would not give it up. Then he'd come back closer. He finally came back to me, and he was able to get the bird from him. But yeah, usually it's always a struggle of having to drop my gun. So that's something we got to work on this winter, and or we've been working on. It's weird because he'll give you back anything else super easy in the house because he'll come back, he'll grab my boots and bring it to me. <laughs> and it's like, oh, thank you. He drops it. But bird, no. It's going to die. This, yeah, it's already dead. But like I had a a day where I shot three beautiful Huns over him. Yeah, overhead. I shot a double, and I shot a, a single out of the next cuffy. And all over his flanks. Luckily, I was able to get to a couple of birds, one of two of the birds quicker, and I was able to get the one on his mouth pretty good. But I took a picture with him, and then he uh, decided... Took a nice picture, it's on our Instagram page, and 
sitting there all proud. As soon as the picture was up, I put my phone down, he freaking jumped off the truck, took a Honda, and went underneath to pick up and ate it. <laughs> I was like, well, so much for having that covey of Huns mounted. <laughs> all three beautiful, fully colored, like full plumage on the Huns and my cash. <laughs> Another day. But Riggs's was probably not this past season, but last year, the last hunt I did with him, like right after Christmas, we were just right around home and I made a long shot on a rooster. It was probably about a 50, 60 yard shot and it went down on the cattails and I knew it wasn't hit that great. And we walked around and it was thick snow. We walked around, walked around. It's like, ah, I don't know if we're going to find this bird. And we spent 20 minutes looking for this bird. And I was walking back up to the road. I was like, oh, I hope that we lost one, which sucks. And I get up to the road and I start calling Riggs back and he's not coming. I called him. I called him again. And here he comes out through the cattails with the rooster still alive. I was like, holy crap. That was the sweetest one. I was like, how the heck? Because I wasn't like, I was just looking myself. I was never around Rick because he was always working around back and forth on the cattails. I never really saw him. So I think the whole time he was chasing this pheasant back and forth. <laughs> <until he finally caught. laughs> That's probably my most memorable one with Riggs. He's had some pretty good retrieves. He had a water retrieve, pheasant that landed in a creek. That was pretty cool too. Yeah, that's all I got for favorite retrieves. I could probably sit and talk about retrieves all day. Points. Well, I had another good one from college, too. My old bird dog, Dave. I mean, he's not really a dog. It was my roommate. But uh, we took him out hunting, and he never hunted, so he just walked with us. And <laughs> Sure, you heard the story before, but I can't remember if Sal told this one or not. It was Sal and I hunting with our roommates, Dave and Aaron. And we shot a rooster, and we're trying to find it, and we had no dog. And all of a sudden, Dave bent over, picked up a piece of grass, lifted it up, folded it back over, looks at us and goes, it's right here. <laughs> and he didn't even grab it. Sal went over there. Bird was still alive. So he wrung its neck. And Dave was standing right there and got blood all over his face. <laughs> and he looks like, thanks. And I was, that's another good retrieve. So I guess we're going piggybacking off trees. We can go favorite point. That's one last question. Cash would probably be, probably maybe his first for his first point. Even though I didn't get to shoot a bird over him, but I you know I didn't get to shoot a bird over Cash's point for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it was like in November, I think, before I finally shot a bird over Cash point. Everybody else shot birds over him, besides me. Riggs, oh, he's had quite a few really good ones. Oh, I don't sticking the Huns, sticking a point on some Huns, cut some cubbies of Huns have been really fun with him. Late season roosters, they're always fun. And the cattails, don't want to talk about some I missed, but ah, it's all right. Everybody misses. I've had those like one moments with some roosters where I'm just like, freaking, that's awesome, where you just kick up the bird and. A lot of the other ones are just, you know, they're, the points are always fun, but there's not one that just sticks out that I remember vividly. Yeah, I don't think about that. I just don't really. There's just too many. There's been too many. I can't. 
That's the exact opposite for Willow. She's only had one. And that's because she's a flusher. So I guess the most memorable point is that one. And it involves zero birds. But uh, we were walking just a small little cattail piece. And uh, it was our first season together. So not this past year, but the year before. And it was snow on the ground. And you could tell there was like a little burrow hole underneath the cattails. And all of a sudden, Willow just stopped and stared at that hole. Kind of like a point, right? And then I just went, go get it. No birds ended up getting up, but she jumped like she jumped off of a diving board head first into that hole and started squiggling her way around under the cattails. And it was kind of funny to see. Obviously, like I said, no birds got up, but it was her only point. But it was kind of fun to see. <laughs> see those those foxes that jump in the air and dive head first into the snow? Get the mouse? Yeah, my dog threw that to the couch. Yeah, that's what she looked like. Yeah, that kind of wraps, that wraps up with also all the questions I have. I think I got them all. I'll double check here and make sure I answer. I hope we answered some of your questions the best of our ability. Yeah, well, he's double checking here. I'll make sure we say this. If we missed anything or you wanted to answer a different question or elaborate more or anything better we can do is our first Q&A. You know, shoot us a DM on our Instagram at uh, the Upland Nomads podcast. Hope that you guys like these, like maybe shorter just me and michael talking about things i think we could definitely do another one talking gear or truck setup any questions that you have on that everybody other things a little different everybody wants to know what everybody has to or what they're running maybe we'll do a gear one later in the future here questions you guys may have for truck setups or maybe we'll do a live podcast and we'll have people if people want to join and yeah like an instagram live or something like that talk their own setups yeah that's a good one all right that's it that's all we got for you i hope you guys enjoyed this one and uh thank you for listening